is one obvious uh, subject, but I will cover a couple of other things. Um, I mean, it's almost impossible, isn't it, in terms of reading the newspapers and um, listening to the radio and I presume watching TV, uh, let alone wandering the streets of London or going to a, a supermarket to uh, avoid um, coronavirus. I don't mean in terms of catching it, but I mean seeing its um, uh, impact um, already. Um, in terms of um, the uh, British government, as I understand it, as advised by Patrick Valance and Chris Whitty, that's the government's chief scientific officer and chief medical officer, what they were aiming for, as I understand it, and they haven't published this stuff, although they do promise uh, to do so, um, is basically to um, put in place what they call a herd immunity. Um, you might remember, I don't know when um, exactly I gave a political report, but it was after the outbreak in Wunan, and I sort of looked up, because I sort of knew um, something about it, I very little, but at least I knew something about it, that various diseases rely on um, a certain size of the population, one to transmit, uh, but also once you reach a certain immunity um, in a population, um, then um, you can actually squash the spread uh, of it. And it, it, it just depends on the disease. So, you know, if you take smallpox, I don't know, I'm just making this one up now, but say it requires a population of 100,000 in order to reproduce. If the population uh, that you're dealing with goes below 100,000, uh, then smallpox becomes impossible. You can introduce it from the outside, that's true, but smallpox as such relies on a certain size population, and that's true with everything. So if we take coronavirus, which is obviously very easy uh, to transmit, and it, it's very easy to transmit, basically uh, because it hasn't got a massive um, uh, death rate. So if you take Ebola, um, it often kills people before they can spread it where coronavirus is very much like the common cold or the flu. All one needs to do is sneeze, someone breathes, someone can pick it up, and uh, then the person gets it after X days, they sneeze, someone else picks it up. But the calculation is by immunologists uh, that if, uh, this is according to what they're saying, not what I'm saying, as I understand it, that if you get a population that 60% already had it, they have an immunity, and therefore they sneeze, but it passes on average to someone who's already had it, it doesn't reproduce, and it ends up um, basically petering out. That's the idea. Um, now, we don't know, uh, in terms of this uh, disease, exactly how it's, how it's going to behave, because it's new. So there's no past evidence. This is what they're projecting. And so this seems to be, at least in Britain, the strategy that was being pursued. I say was because it's just not clear uh, at the present time. On the other hand, uh, I certainly remember, and I certainly remember looking it up again, uh, the outbreak of SARS. And um, 
What they did there is they chase every um, person that's infected, isolate them, and close down the spread of the disease and therefore kill the disease. So SARS, the old SARS that we had, whatever it was, 2004, I can't remember. Whenever it was, maybe it was 2014, I can't remember. Whenever it was, that closed down that disease. It does not exist anymore, full stop. It's not going to reoccur. Uh, it's a dead disease, an X uh, disease. That doesn't mean uh, that new versions of coronavirus, because that's what SARS is, couldn't arise. We've seen it. COVID-19 is an example um, of it. But it's a new, it's a mutation. Um, the general theory, although no one knows, they haven't tracked it down yet, uh, is it's from bats. How exactly it gets into humans, we don't know. Maybe it's through eating, I don't know. Um, either way, bats apparently uh, go around with a load of diseases and uh, they have a, um, how should I put it, um, a, a really staggering ability to go around with these diseases and it doesn't affect them. Exactly why talk to a bat expert, uh, uh, not me. But that's apparently the case. That they go around with loads of diseases, but it doesn't affect them. They can still fly about. Uh, they don't drop down dead. They don't sneeze. But you come along and you contact a bat somehow. Um, it gets into your um, uh, system and it evolves. It makes the leap from human, uh, well, from bat to human. Okay. So, uh, in terms of what the British government um, was seeming to do, it was the herd immunity thing. Now, um, of course, this is exactly the opposite um, of um, most other countries. Um, so if you take China, um, we know that they went into lockdown. We know all about uh, Italy, Spain, Denmark, Germany. One can list off all the countries. Uh, these countries have imposed a lockdown. Now it's true uh, that Britain is, they estimate, about two weeks behind. I was just listening to the news before I came out and uh, the latest figures were both in for Britain and Italy. And they do seem to be sort of doubling in number and the deaths seem to be doubling about every three days. Mm -hmm. So it's that sort of spread uh, that we're uh, dealing with. Okay, um, so I'll come to more details um, 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 in a minute. We've also heard of the United States where initially Trump equated it basically with flu and shrugged his shoulders and said, well, you know, we have flu every year, it kills about 50,000, so what sort of type of idea? But then we've seen him, for whatever reason, whether it's scientific advice or whether it's popular opinion, uh, impose um, draconian travel bans on uh, the whole of uh, the Schengen area in Europe and now Britain and um, Ireland. I mean, just what strikes me, I have to say, is when you look around uh, in terms of people's ordinary lives, it, it does show you how massively in interconnected the world is. Mm. Uh, you know, we think back, or one might think back to the Black Death and how you know, fleas from uh, rats uh, transmitted the Black Death. And I don't know what speed the Black Death um, uh, went, but obviously considerably slower than coronavirus because nowadays uh, we not only have global production, we have global holidays, we have business travel, uh, the distances people have to travel 
to and from work, uh, the fact that for entertainment they go to football matches far away, not just in terms of local matches, but uh, travel considerable distances. There's things like the Olympics, which aren't you know, involving a few thousand, as they might have done at the beginning, but hundreds uh, of thousands uh, of people. And again, just anecdotally, um, you think about the integration of production. Yasmin was telling me that um, in Oxford University they were just about to install a, um, a quantum computer and apparently it was delayed because the parts from China uh, were delayed uh, because they've gone in for a lockdown in terms of industrial production. And one could just carry on, you know, in all manner uh, of different, uh, you know, spheres of life. So if you take the car industry, it will clearly be affected by parts uh, that come in from China. As I understand it, if you take Airbus, it will have parts from China. I certainly know it has parts from Vietnam. You know, so we're dealing genuinely uh, with a global uh, economy. Now, um, as I understand it, the problem, the little problem with the uh, British government's um, well, let's uh, develop herd uh, immunity, is the little matter that uh, Boris Johnson mentioned and that some of our loved ones will be dying prematurely. Now, no one knows how many. They can estimate, uh, but the estimates that I've read vary from 100,000 uh, premature deaths to something like half a million uh, premature uh, deaths. As I say, no one actually knows. They can make projections, but nonetheless, a hundred thousand premature deaths is a lot of premature deaths. Now we know that on average it doesn't affect children. Children are, you know, apparently more or less can go around with this uh, uh, disease. Um, they can cough, maybe or maybe not, uh, and they come out of the other side not even knowing. Uh, that they had it, but if they are then um, going to be looked after by granny, granny, uh, you know, there's a little child looking after little Sonny or Sonette and uh, breathing in that bang. If granny, you know, has a, a respiratory uh, a problem, um, then we're dealing with a situation uh, where the NHS, which has been run down, apparently has far less uh, respirators than Italy. Uh, for example, you know, in terms of comparable countries, uh, it is not well equipped uh, to deal uh, with such an outbreak. I know we're over the worst of winter. Nonetheless, if you look at what's been going on in Italy, and if we're only three weeks behind Italy, then you're talking about doctors having to make a choice. Who lives, who dies? Right? Uh, it doesn't mean that they have to die. It means they're making a choice of who's more likely to respond to treatment, I've got one bed, I've got one respirator, right, your um, um, uh, chosen one, I'll save you, uh, but uh, this person, that person's going to die. And of course the more people that get this, uh, the more such choices will have to be made. So, okay, uh, the theory is uh, that having established herd immunity, and this is a theory, because again this is a new disease, the theory is it won't reoccur uh, in summer or autumn or next year. But we don't know that. Uh, we don't know how long immunity lasts. It could be two years, it might be a year, it might be a lifetime. Actually we don't know. Uh, but it does strike me uh, that uh, there are other avenues, perhaps, 
uh, to go down. And that seems to be, for whatever reason, I don't know if the scientific advice, uh, is, well, it's, I don't know whether it's different, but these are political choices that are being made. Uh, that if we look at most countries, what they seem to be doing, after an initial delay in a lot of places, and I include China uh, in that, the authorities basically uh, go hell for leather in terms of isolating people, shutting down uh, production, shutting down anything that isn't non-essential. And uh, the results seem to show. So if you take um, figures, um, for example, in China, this is, in, uh, this is Friday's figures, so I'm sorry they're not up to date, but Friday's figures from China, which has still got the majority or thereabouts, uh, of you know cases in terms of the world, so its total cases of coronavirus is well about eighty one thousand that was friday so eighty thousand nine hundred and forty five the sort of preciseness of it sort of obviously um, um, is not a claim that that 's actually the figure but anyway um, twenty two more on Friday right just twenty two now again, just having come out. Um, how many more uh, in Britain? I think it was 200. How many more in Italy? 2,000. Well, in China, with 80,000 uh, people having been infected, it's not herd immunity. This is not herd immunity. This is isolation uh, that's done that. And so 22 new cases um, on Friday. Uh, in Britain, we're talking about hundreds. In Italy, you're talking about thousands. Um, to me that says something and if we take Hubei province it's got about the same sort of population as Britain about 10 million less uh, population than, than Britain and we've seen the pictures we've seen the stories we've seen people you know ringing in for who, you know, who are from Britain uh, here I am in my second week of isolation it's a bit bloody boring but sort of type idea I'm not allowed out except for you know under special permission I get food delivered blah 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 okay so, also what can happen, of course, uh, and this is what loads of scientists will be working on in London, Oxford, you name it, around the world, uh, is a vaccine. Uh, there's no vaccine available at the moment. The, the, the general guess is they'll start to come up with something that's usable in about the summer. Who do you uh, immunise first? Well, the general tendency would be immunise health workers. That would be your first port of call. They are in an extremely vulnerable position. Uh, just working in a hospital, let alone working with coronavirus uh, patients, even if you're wearing all the bloody, uh, you know, kit. Then it would be old people who've got respiratory uh, problems, and then you roll it out. So, for example, you know, uh, every year, being an old git, I get a, a, a letter from the NHS saying, come in, you old git, get your um, uh, flu jab. And I loyally go in, not because I'm terrified of the flu, but just because I think it's a, a sociable thing to do, that I you know, will not be passing it on, because I won't be uh, infected, I won't be coughing and sneezing, where well, I would uh, if I had the flu. This is the way it's transmitted, so I could have it, but I won't be you know, super bloody um, uh, infectious. Okay, so... Um, it looks to me, um, you know, and again we had a, an article by Michael Roberts, and I have to say I did cut it slightly uh, of where it said, um, look, the stock market hasn't reacted uh, to the outbreak of coronavirus 
Um, it hadn't by the time you know at the time he was writing it but Jesus Christ by the time I'd sat down to edit it uh, already we had the FT plunging down now in terms of uh, various commentators uh, perhaps the most telling one (laughs) and um, you know in terms of the drop in global stock markets was the uh, commentator who said this is the biggest downturn in stock market prices since the South Sea bubble right now that's basically the beginning right so that's basically saying since ever right now we know or we think we know that this uh, virus will come and go Uh, how long it takes we don't know we don't actually know uh, but we're certainly talking about months uh, you know, maybe half a year, maybe it then reoccurs. We actually do not know. Uh, but certainly in the meantime, not only do we get the shutdown of, you know, car plants and all manner uh, of different things, we also will get loads of businesses going bust uh, unless the government steps in. And um, again, even if they do, you know, the fact that nothing's being produced, the fact that money isn't being raised in order to pay taxes, clearly what we're talking about is some sort of global downturn. Now, you can read whatever newspaper you want. Some commentators say, well, the, the economy is robust. I have to say, looking at the growth rates globally, I'm um, massively, massively unconvinced uh, by that. It does seem to me... Um, that the world economy is pretty bloody unhealthy. Chinese growth rates have remained impressive. We would expect them to become more or less nil um, in terms of 2020. But elsewhere, we should expect a genuine uh, downturn. Um, Will that mean that the banks uh, uh, go? Well, I don't know. Uh, but certainly small companies you would expect to go out of business. I mean, if you're running a restaurant, if you're running a pub, Um, such as where we're sitting, Um, if they ban gatherings of over 50. um, The reason why I put this table uh, this way, by the way, is following medical advice. Well, that's right. It's a good habit to get into. We should certainly keep these uh, seminars under review. This seminar is very uh, sparsely attended, uh, I I think for quite reasonable uh, uh, reasons. Maybe we'll have to go online. I don't know. Either way, Uh, The point would be that you could imagine pubs, restaurants, theatres, travel uh, businesses, airlines, um, all manner of things going out of business. Now, maybe, (coughs) see, one old person's already coughing and sputtering. (laughs) You know, who knows? Who knows? Um, Okay. So, um, just to move, I have to say that um, we should uh, roundly and robustly dismiss the madness. I know they are inevitable, and I haven't followed the crazy bit of the web, uh, but there are various theories from China and the United States, and one can go anywhere that you want, but in particular the United States and China, it was the other side that did it. Uh, that in China, it's the United States that released this uh, uh, virus, it's a special uh, weapon in order to do down China. Well, come on, guys. Misfired you know, a bit, hasn't it? They, they don't. Well, the point is, you know, as, as I've argued, uh, that while you know medical treatment might be differential in terms of what hospital you go to, you know, whatever class you are, you can get it. 
So if you look at Donald Trump, you know, having dismissed uh, coronavirus when he was told that, oh, by the way, that guy you shook hands with the other day, he's being confirmed uh, as having coronavirus, he instantly goes away and gets a test. Well, can you go now and get a test? You know, well, that's right, exactly. I've got people shaking their heads here. Uh, you can't, right? Um, anyway, um, there's also uh, theories on the other side uh, that it was China what did it. China, uh, in terms of some uh, accident in some um, you know, um, weapons plant, accidentally released this uh, virus. Well, quite frankly, it's just dumb. Because if you've got a 1% or 2% death rate, what's the point of a weapon with a 1% or 2 death rate that kills old people? Now, if you want to get into conspiracies, which I'm not, there you are, there's uh, Boris Johnson looking at the black hole that is the NHS. Let's kill off. But again, I just go, no, come on. This is clearly nonsense. What this is is an outbreak of disease that is fueled by our interconnected world uh, and where it will hit most severely will clearly be, when it gets there, is the so-called third world. Uh, who don't have the facilities to go for lockdown, who don't have... Uh, the state infrastructure don't have the medical services and who knows how many uh, people for example have died in Iran I mean do they tell the truth well they're not known uh, for it but of course in Iran there are theories that it's uh, America uh, what done it apparently there was also theories in Russia uh, of a similar sort I think we just need to dismiss that as um, complete nonsense to me it's like um, it was the British that did uh, the scripples, you know, and one can carry on. You know, you, one usually starts with the obvious, and if the obvious isn't the answer, then go to some other explanation. It's the outbreak of a human disease that's come from a, a mutation, um, probably from a bat, as I said. Okay, but also what this will, what this, this, these conspiracy theories are an indication of, and again we, we know that living in London, you know it in terms of looking at other parts of the world, that sometimes these sort of um, adverse conditions bring out the best in people, sometimes they bring out the worst uh, in people. See all you need to do is talk to um, a Chinese looking person in London, try talking to them. Uh, and see what reaction they've had on the tube or on the buses or in shops. Um, you know, see you know the number of cases that have been reported of people being beaten up uh, because they look uh, Chinese, as if this is a Chinese disease. Note Donald Trump uh, uh, calling it the Chinese disease or the Hubei disease or the Wuhan uh, disease. It ain't. It's simply an accident that happened uh, in uh, uh, China. Okay, um, so um, where do we go next? Okay, well I was looking, because that's one of my jobs, I look at The Socialist each week, which is still, sorry comrades, the most boring paper on the left by far. You know, come on. <sighs> anyway, I also look at Socialist Worker, which is marginally interesting, I compared with The Socialist, it's a fascinating read. Um, anyway, I was reading in Socialist Worker um, this uh, sort of action plan uh, when it came to um, the government, because as I said, the government looks like it's wobbling uh, in terms of going from crowd immunity in terms of a strategy 
to let's go for some sort of lockdown. But it, it, it seems pretty bloody incoherent to me because there we have in Manchester um, the half marathon. There we have in various parts of the country St. Patrick's Day. Um, there you are in London, you've still got theatre land where New York, you don't anymore. The show must go on. Well, it ain't going on um, in America. You know, you either go uh, to, to clamp down and trace this disease or you don't. And the earlier, the earlier you do it, the better. That's, that's, that's the lesson. That isn't the lesson of China, but once they realised it, it is. Um, I was going to give the example of Singapore, okay, an island state, but a highly developed, integrated into the imperialist system. Um, they've had uh, uh, 200 people infected, no deaths. Uh, that is what you could <coughs> achieve, right? Um, you didn't need to have uh, deaths, you didn't need to have so many infections that Britain uh, has got. If you uh, uh, took the measures early enough. There, it's too late now to do that, I would guess. Nonetheless, you want to stop the disease spreading. Anyway, so I was reading in Socialist Worker a whole series of demands. I have to say that I was, um, I haven't read them in, you know, minute detail, but I was reading them and going along, that's a good idea. You know, um, I also, because it was posted um, to us, um, from the People's Assembly. So I don't know who originally wrote it, whether it was John Rees or the SWP or whoever. Either way, it does strike me as um, uh, the basic, that basically they've got the right approach. Uh, so they're demanding things like, and again, Corbyn is taking up some of these demands, right? So they're demanding full sick pay. And so what about workers not covered uh, by sick pay? So, for example, gig workers, people who are working, you know, for Deliveroo, are they going to be covered? Well, not under normal circumstances. So if they get this disease, what happens uh, to them for three weeks? Do they go out to work? Yes. Well, precisely. And that will therefore spread the disease, right? Do you pass measures, on the other hand, if you've got it, you will be fined or put in prison, right, if you spread it, which I think, you know, is the sort of thing you should actually do. I was uh, talking to a friend of mine, I was reminded, well, because I used to go to holiday sometimes up in Derbyshire. I don't know if anyone knows the village of Eam. Oh, yes. There you are. And of course it's a famous story of um, the plague uh, breaking out and uh, the vicar there, along with his predecessor, persuaded the villagers... And the mayor. Okay. I didn't know they had mayors in villages. Okay. Either way, it's the vicar that's the hero of this story. That's one I, I you know, visited there. You must have done it as well. But uh, the vicar persuaded the villagers uh, not to go outside the village boundaries, uh, even though that, that means that there's, uh, the disease is here and you might die because they don't want to spread it. And what happened is the people around them uh, thought this was a very brave act and would supply them with food. And there's a particular um, boundary, I think it's a piece of, you know, like stone wall, where they would leave food uh, for these villagers. Yeah, but I was reminded uh, of, of that uh, particular act of uh, solidarity. Um, so, yeah, so in terms of discipline, discipline is needed. The idea that you can just save yourself, I think, is um, uh, a complete mistake. So, for example... Uh, people in northern Italy, when they clamp down in northern Italy, I've got a good idea, I'll go to south Italy. Come on, Dumbo, you take it with you, and the chances are you will go down with it, right? And you'll spread it, precisely that sort of panic uh, 
uh, is not solidarity, it's not going to save you, chances are uh, that you'll actually take it with you uh, and uh, do down uh, others. Anyway, so the comrades raise up the question of full sick pay, I agree. Closing, <coughs> closing down universities, schools and uh, non-essential uh, uh, areas, I agree. Um, it does seem to me a game with uh, children. They aren't going to die uh, from it. But again, we're not talking about an individual approach to this. Oh, children don't die. Leave them in school. Uh, we're talking about who they would spread it to. And the fact is that if you take a school with several hundred people, maybe even a thousand people, you know, there they are sitting next to each other in rows. There they are doing, you know, games. There they are doing whatever else they do. That is a very good breeding ground, ground to spread that disease and to take it back home and to spread it to the rest of the population. So you are, you're talking about minimising travel, you're talking about minimising uh, contact. Opposed profiteering, how can you argue uh, with that? I mean, I went to the pharmacy last night and uh, there you are, this is a, I don't know, not quite 24-hour uh, pharmacy, but um, on, on their desk they have, sorry, no masks, uh, no nothing. <laughs> nothing did, we've sold out. I don't think that pharmacy, by the way, was guilty of profiteering, but clearly some people will be tempted and have been tempted. Let's buy up everything. There's this huge demand. I'm sure you could go onto your um, phones and buy a mask uh, for some sort of... Uh, price, uh, if you want. How useful those masks are, that's a completely other question. Um, in the same way, I, I, I noticed on Friday going to Sainsbury's supermarket looking at rows of uh, empty shelves. Mm -hmm. You know, wow. Um, anyway, opposed profiteering, that's absolutely right. Bail out the health service, I agree. Uh, clearly the health service has been starved of resources and this is showing in terms of the number of beds, respirators one can just carry on down uh, the list don't bail out the bosses well I'm a bit more sceptical on that one uh, I've already mentioned restaurants, pubs uh, you know the working class shouldn't just have a programme for the working class after all working class people work in pubs, work in restaurants but we ain't just out uh, for the working class, we're out for the whole of uh, society. Uh, mass testing, they're saying, well again if you put the resources in you can go for mass testing and the less it spreads and the more you detect um, uh, the chances are you'll be able to contain that disease. So again as a demand uh, I think it's a, a correct uh, demand. They're also talking about um, uh, people being protected in, in, who've got the disease in terms of rent arrears being threatened by their landlords or mortgage arrears again I think that sort of approach is a correct one uh, you should be able to also um, um, be able to you know um, not uh, go in and tell your doctor <coughs> face to face if you can get an appointment nowadays I've got coronavirus stay away, ring up um, and just register. I've got coronavirus and you should be given sick pay. You shouldn't need to go into hospital, you shouldn't need um, a doctor's uh, note, and one can carry on down that list. I think all of that is sensible and healthy and it's good that the comrades have come up with that sort of an approach. Now the problem then comes, well how are you going to enforce it? And this is the problem with the social conditions that we're in. I was thinking, 
maybe we should convert the um, stand up to racism uh, demonstration that's forthcoming into a mass demonstration demanding emergency measures on coronavirus, which is what's been happening in France. I don't know how big the demonstrations are, but it does come over to me rather crazy. Uh, that you're having a mass demonstration demanding a clampdown on yes. free movement and mass gatherings and yeah. closing down school. You know, I sort of know what where people are coming from, but I'm also going, <laughs> not such a good, good idea. So I don't know. Uh, in the same way, if you take universities, you know, uh, this will be a, um, a focal point for left-wing activity if they're closed down. Um, how are you going to mobilise people? Do you want to mobilise people in these circumstances? Uh, these, these are very difficult uh, questions. Okay. Um, so, I think um, we uh, in the CPGB will be um, keeping these meetings under review. Um, you know, obviously each individual has to make their own choice and I very much understand why uh, people, especially elder people, uh, wouldn't want to come uh, uh, to such a meeting. It seems reasonably sensible to me. And getting more and more sensible, that's the point. Uh, this is something that will intensify uh, over the forthcoming weeks. Uh, we haven't really seen it yet. Okay, so that's my take on coronavirus, I think. Okay, now. I never thought I would live to see it. You might not be able to see this. I've Future Socialism America. In. Oh, in. I didn't see the in. No. Okay. What is that? Well, it's the Financial Times. Oh, okay. <clears throat> the Future of Socialism in America. Well, amazing. And it's Bernie not saying... It, 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 Bernie what? Saunders? Uh, it's wider than that. Oh, okay. But, um, yeah... Um, I never thought I would live to see it. But of course we all know that there's been socialists in the United States, but in terms of any sizable force, uh, what we're really talking about is the late 19th century, early 20th uh, century. Um, I don't know the exact statistics um, uh, for Debs and uh, the Socialist Party uh, of America, but, but uh, in terms of the 1917 elections, I mean, it was getting, it, it was coming third, which I'm not saying is much because Democrats, Republicans, okay, third, sort of down there. But uh, in terms of places like New York, uh, Michigan, um, um, Chicago, and, ver and various places in the, the Midwest. Maybe Michigan is in the Midwest. Yes, I suppose it is. Yeah. But, you know, uh, places of um, um, having various migrants. Um, you know, we all know that um, John Reed, I can't remember his original name, was Swedish. And uh, there was the Red 48ers. And, but you had migrants coming from Europe and they took their socialist traditions with them. And you could certainly talk about uh, the socialist tradition going out, uh, uh, you know, further into the population uh, during that period, you know, at a relatively serious level. We're not talking about anything comparative to Europe, uh, but nonetheless, um, if we've read, and uh, I have, and uh, it's a very interesting 
a little pamphlet. Kortsky famously wrote a pamphlet called Why Isn't There Socialism in the United States? Uh, historical materialism ran a <coughs> series of uh, uh, people sort of commenting on still why isn't there socialism um, in the United States. This was maybe about 10 or 20 years ago. Uh, his theory was that it was precisely um, the West, free land, um, that you could be a proletarian, you could land in New York, be a proletarian, and you had the prospect of go West, young man, go to the West where there's free land. And I think the last of that, if I'm not mistaken, sort of comes to the end in about 1880, 1890, that sort of period. So what we're talking about is a situation where the capitalists found it very difficult to retain the proletariat. The proletariat would be coming in, but then going out, uh, seeking its fortune elsewhere. And that very fact also meant that uh, the capitalists in the United States would pay higher wages, um, and also then also go in for higher levels of technology. So the United States became a world technological leader. It was no accident, you know, that the Model T and Ford is American, or Carnegie uh, was, uh, well, I know it's Scottish, but, you know, Scottish-American, why he was American. Okay, anyway, so um, again, I haven't got the exact dates, uh, but certainly after the October Revolution, um, and when soldiers start to come back uh, from Europe, you have what is called the Red Scare. Uh, but this isn't just, oh, we're scared of Reds. These are um, draconian laws uh, that the authorities enact. And often what happened, and this happened under McCarthyism, uh, that if you'd gone to America, um, you know, and you'd settled down, had children, but you were still British or Scottish or French or German or Sw they deported you. Uh, they kicked people out, uh, and they passed all manner of laws. I think they passed something called the Traitors Act or the Traitor Act. Mm. It's sort of the equivalent of uh, McCarthyism, of where if you're a member of the Communist Party, you had to declare yourself to be a foreign agent. I, I work for a foreign power, and if you refuse to do that, then um, you were clearly in trouble. Anyway, the Financial Times is running uh, this article, and it's not just about Bernie Sanders, it's about Bernie Sanders' supporters, but it also mentions Socialist Alternative, that's the split in uh, the, um, what do they call it? Um, um, IM, no, it's not IMT, um, I, CWI, right? This is the... Um, um, the councillor in Seattle sounds like a councillor, but I think there's about nine councillors. So it's not like in Britain where you have sort of 50 councillors. And this is someone who survived in spite of Amazon. Right? Amazon is in Seattle along with Boeing, but Amazon was actually campaigning to get rid of her uh, yeah. as a councillor. And in spite of the millions that they had available, and I'm talking about dollars, uh, they did not succeed. Uh, and again, you can have whatever criticisms you want, uh, but she's been championing, and I think the pay rate is something like $14.50 uh, an hour, maybe it's 15 I can't remember. But anyway, these sort of ideas uh, have become current, and what the Financial Times is, is noting, um, and it's quite a nice little report, you know, he meets some bloke in somewhere in a um, very prosperous part of uh, California, near San Francisco. But he, he notes that uh, this San Francisco, I think, 
has uh, more billionaires per square mile than any other part of the United States, right? But it also has more poor people living on the streets than anywhere else in the United States. The idea that you get trickled down, bullshit, right? And he, he meets this guy in a working class bar and he thinks, shit me, this guy's a Trump voter. Right? Uh, because, you know, there he is, <coughs> drinking is whatever and whatever, and he's got a cap on. Uh, and it, but it doesn't say make America great again, it says something else, you know, it's a left wing uh, slogan. Anyway, the point that he's making, this is Edward Luce, um, is that there is what they call betweenies. This is people who would vote either Bernie Sanders or Donald Trump. There's not a huge number of them, but it, it's not insignificant. Who basically fuck the system, right? Fuck you all, right? So there's an element of that going on that I don't want to vote for fucking Hillary Clinton. I don't want to vote, you know, for Joe bloody Biden. But I'd rather vote for Trump uh, or Bernie Sanders. So there's an element there, but there's also a big slice of young people Right, who would only vote Bernie Sanders, and they call it Bernie Sanders or Bernie or Bust. Right, fuck uh, Joe Biden. And basically, the analysis, the, the reason why the Financial Times is doing it, because this is now an electoral force. And the calculation is remember where they're coming from. Financial Times is, in terms of how it's written and who it's for, is it as much an American paper now as it is a British paper? So it talks about the middle class, it means the working class. They're concerned about American politics because obviously they hate Trump uh, and the fear of these people is that there will be enough uh, of Bernie Sanders supporters who will go for Bernie or bust and therefore lose to Trump. And that is not something they want. So they're trying to get in the heads of these people and trying to say this is why. And why is it happening? Basically it's not as simple as um, um, those that would vote Bernie or, or uh, um, Trump. These tend to be working class people who've been screwed down um, since the crisis and over the last 20 years have seen their living standards either stagnate or drop. But there's also those with uh, college degrees and all the rest of it who are actually coming around to some sort of idea of socialism. Now, again, they make it perfectly clear that what we're talking about, for most of them, um, is socialism is what they have in Norway or what they have in Britain in the National Health Service. It's not what we mean uh, by socialism. On the other hand, they note socialist alternative, and again, I'm not dressing them up to be... Um, the bee's knees, uh, but Socialist Alternative officially declares itself to be a Marxist organisation. They can get a councillor elected. What's her name? Um, Kashmama Sawant. Anyway, um, the point would be that the bourgeoisie is noticing the growth of socialism in the United States, and that certainly, from at least my angle, um, is a huge opportunity for the left. Just a couple of other points. Clearly, um, well, it looks like Bernie Sanders will lose. Uh, it looked like Bernie Sanders would lose last Super Tuesday. Uh, you know, he won California, uh, but lost Texas, lost 10, had four. Uh, nonetheless, which I think is, from, a, from our angle, again, good. 
he's carrying on fighting. And that gives you the opportunity to keep on arguing and keep on organising uh, 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 people um, for some sort of uh, socialism. Okay, two other points. Putin um, is putting through legislation through um, the Russian parliament and it will go, praise be, to a referendum. You already know what the result of the referendum will be. Uh, we want uh, uh, Putin to either be prime minister or president until, let me get my date right, 2036 when he will be 83. Well, given the average life expectancy of a Russian male at the present time is 68, he's clearly going to be doing very well. I think he's 67 at the moment. So it does say something for good medical treatment and maybe a good um, KGB uh, fitness routine. Uh, but yes, it will go to a referendum. Will it pass? Yes, because he will arrange a referendum in the way uh, that uh, David Cameron was incapable uh, of doing. Right, lastly, um, and this is interesting to me, um, in the midst of all of this, if the, you know, the woes of capitalism weren't enough, uh, what we have is a price war uh, over oil between Saudi Arabia and Russia. Now, at the present, and I suspect you know, these are last month's sort of figures as opposed to this month's, um, uh, oil production goes something like this. The United States, number one. And that is because of shale oil. You know, right? New technology. Very unproductive, very expensive um, oil production. But nevertheless, it's been on the margin of profitability uh, because of high oil, oil prices. Why high oil prices? Because uh, Russia and Saudi Arabia agreed uh, to keep production down. So that had the paradoxical effect of making U.S. shale oil production just about profitable. You may be borrowing a load from a bank, maybe going from one loan to the next. Either way, it's on the margins of profitability, but it put the United States uh, up at number one. Number two in terms of total oil production uh, is Russia. Now remember, Russia will be consuming a lot of oil. It's cold up there, certainly in winter. Right? But it's also a big exporter. So Russia uh, is number two. Number three is Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia can get oil out of the ground for a couple of dollars. I don't know exactly what the price is, but it's basically the cheapest in the world. Massive oil fields, very near the surface. Almost all you need to do is put a fork in the ground and you've got oil coming out. I'm obviously exaggerating, but not by much. So for example, if you take Saudi oil, price of Saudi oil, maybe it's about $10 a barrel. I'm just making that one up. If you take the price of getting oil out of the Arctic Ocean, which is loads of oil in the Arctic Ocean, you know, underneath the, the waves, it's about $80. Uh, you can see why they don't bother, right? They ain't going to bother with getting that stuff out for a long, long time. Okay. Okay, so Saudi Arabia wanted to get Russia to agree to continue the cap on production. As I understand it, uh, Russia refused to agree, and Saudi Arabia, this is under MBS, Mohammed bin um, Salman, basically turned around and said, well, fuck you, we're going to teach you a lesson. That, that's, that's my take on it, right? 
And so what he uh, announced is an immediate price cut and also a big boost in production. Now, given we're in the middle of this coronavirus with depressed um, industry, you can look at all the world satellite pictures of northern Italy at the moment, look at their pollution, look at China. It's almost like North Korea at the moment. They don't produce any pollution, not because of their eco-concerns, but they don't do anything. Anyway, um, so you've got suppressed demand for oil, and then they're cutting the price of oil and increasing the production of oil. So oil has gone down to something like $35 to $30, right? All those that tell you, by the way, peak oil. Bullshit. Um, so... Um, I'm going to end with this. Uh, at the present time, what's going to happen to US shale oil production? I'll give it to you in one good Anglo-Saxon word. It's fucked. <laughs> right, that's it. <laughs>